A high-level meeting in Canberra today is expected to decide the next steps for Alice Springs. RM Breakfast has been reporting that a snap review of the alcohol restrictions in Alice Springs has recommended the Territory Government urgently legislate amendments to its Liquor Act. Now, of course, there are other recommendations too, but my understanding is that is the main recommendation in the report. Early data from the temporary alcohol restrictions shows a dramatic drop in crime and violence for the regional town since restrictions were introduced last week. Joining me now from Alice Springs is Professor John Boffer, a spokesperson for the People's Alcohol Action Coalition. John Boffer, welcome to the program. Good morning, Patricia. John, there have been some staggering reductions in crime and violence. Take us through what the statistics are showing. Well, look, um, Patricia, I think Alice Springs is probably the first town in Australia to have ever (coughs) experienced two days in a row with a takeaway alcohol ban. So drinking was allowed on licence, but no takeaway alcohol. And police, senior police, have described the statistics as unheard of. So what we had beforehand was 200 jobs a day. So obviously when someone rings 131444 with reports and incident, there's a job number created. That's the workload of police. So on Monday, that instead of being 200, was 118. On Tuesday, that was 116. In addition to that, obviously, there's been major concern about unlawful entry, which has been running at more than 20 a day. On Monday, it was four, and on Tuesday, it was one. Um, Domestic violence, interpersonal violence, which, of course, is the major concern in all of this. We've been looking at 20 to 25 domestic violence incidents a day, and that was four on Monday and nine on Tuesday. So very, very significant decline there as well. So we're, we're really seeing what we hope to see and we're seeing what we expect to see because we know that alcohol is a social determinant of health. It is recognised as such by the World Health Organisation, alcohol and other drugs, and we know it's a cause, not a symptom. And so if you address that, you will make a big difference and we've done that. But of course, we also know that the the, the causes of what's going on here in Alice Springs are complex and multiple, and it's about the interrelationship of multiple social determinants, and addressing alcohol alone is necessary but not sufficient. So, of course, we need to do a lot more, and now there's, I think, a very welcome focus on the intergenerational trauma, the underlying determinants, like, you know, educational participation, early childhood development, overcrowding. All these things are now in in the discussion, but... We, we, it's both and. We have to address alcohol as well as addressing those other things. And I think we, we really do have now a story of hope and positivity. And anyone thinking of a challenging place to come and work, a rewarding place to come and work, needs to not be put off by what we've seen over recent months. We're getting on top of this and we've seen with this data, we're actually getting on top of it very quickly. Yeah, well, this has only been just over a week, so that is quite a tight time frame. Another flashpoint has been, you mentioned domestic violence and some of those issues, but but the emergency departments have really been struggling. Do we know just how big an impact it's having in, in, in at that layer? Yeah, look, the the hospital has, just, has um, also said the emergency department on Monday and Tuesday was a different place. Um, there wasn't any any people in the department drunk, you know, there wasn't alcohol-related incidents for those two days either. So although they've gone public recently with how much worse the attendance at emergency departments has been, a 50% increase of alcohol-related attendances, 
the emergency department also on Monday, Tuesday was a was a transformed reality. And so we've seen this impact not just in police data, it'll be impacting across the board. Obviously, these are the two days where there's no takeaway alcohol. We're moving into days now where there is takeaway alcohol for four hours a day. So, you know, we're not expecting the, the, the improvement to be as good for the rest of the week. But we have already seen the sort of circuit breaker we need. And police, of course, is now saying instead of reactive policing, instead of every day having no time to do anything but react to crisis after crisis, they can now do proactive policing. And that is a really important way, contributor, to keeping the community safe and to having more capacity to focus on unlawful entries. And as we know, unlawful entries aren't all related to alcohol. There are a lot of complex reasons for that. But the, the big impact on interpersonal violence, on health and welfare, on community safety is welcome, expected. Um, we, you know, governments were warned what would happen if the tap was turned back on again without in the intervening 15 years of Stronger Futures, seriously addressing the key social determinants of alcohol dependence, which unfortunately has not happened to anywhere near the extent that it needs to happen. So now with this renewed focus, I think as we heard from Pat Turner last night on 7.30, what we need now is a tripartite agreement, both levels of government sitting down with Aboriginal leaders through the structures set up under the closing and gap process to come up with a joint agreement about how to address the complex interrelated social determinants of this problem going forward. And unfortunately, the fact that we got into this acute crisis is because that tripartite process broken down. You had the Aboriginal leaders from the very closing the gap structures that have been set up, warning government, don't let this happen, and they weren't listened to. So we need a very significant change also in the process by which decisions are made. So we move to the tripartite structure, the decision-making process, and obviously we need a stronger way in future for Aboriginal voices to be heard by government at all levels. Are you, are you referencing there the voice to parliament debate? Oh, look, that's, that's partly what's needed. Clearly, in this situation, I mean, this is a good example. We had two very strong Aboriginal female politicians from the Northern Territory, from both sides of politics, telling the full House of Parliament, don't let this happen in their maiden speeches. We had the leading Aboriginal leaders from the Aboriginal peak organisations in the Northern Territory telling government, don't let this happen. And it still happens. So we need something else. And I think the voice to Parliament um, enshrined in the Constitution is going to add weight and, and will help fill this gap and perhaps would have prevented this by having a much stronger way in which Aboriginal voices can be heard by government and representative government. So I think we very much need that. In addition, I think this story shows that without that, voices just weren't heard. We've been reporting this morning, John Boffer, that Darrell Anderson has obviously handed her report, her one-week um, quick report to both sides of the... both um, tiers, rather, of government, Northern Territory government and the Albanese government, and it's recommended the Territory government urgents, urgently legislate amendments to its own Liquor Act to go beyond this three-month period to, to, to restrict alcohol in the longer term and then to look at alcohol management plans... Is that the right approach? Look, I, I, I'm not in a position to comment yet on that report. I mean, Pat, Anderson, uh, Pat Turner last night again said, make the report public immediately so we can see it. So uh, I think it's great um, 
Darrell's a very experienced Aboriginal leader herself from Central Australia. So I can imagine um, she's put forward some good recommendations, but we're yet to see them and, um, we're, you know, it's, it's not possible to comment on that until, until we get a chance to look at that report. Mm. But your coalition has been advocating for restrictions to come back for two years with an opt-out system and, importantly, the development of these alcohol management plans. So it sounds to me like perhaps it's very similar to what she might be recommending in this report. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. We're, we're really hopeful that that's what's in the report. We've been saying not just that the People's Alcohol Action Coalition, but as I said, the peak Aboriginal organisations and many others were saying that we needed stronger futures to be extended for two years with an opt-out process, with the requirement for alcohol management plans. And those alcohol management plans can include key indicators like <clears throat> interpersonal violence, hospital admissions, school attendance. Those sort of things have to be coming good before we turn the tap back on and we have to monitor what happens to those sorts of indicators if the tap is going to be turned back on to particular areas. So, look, I I know there's a frustration that many people think we've got to move beyond alcohol restrictions and I understand that frustration. But until we do what's needed to address the social determinants of alcohol dependence, we can't move beyond alcohol restrictions and that's the reality we're dealing with. Now, other people are saying, oh, yeah, but if if we turn the tap down again, things will get a lot better. But then all governments will do will sit back and do nothing else about the broader social determinants of the problem. That's a risk. I, I get that. But that is not a reason to not do what immediately has an immediate benefit, which we've seen now. And at the same time, make sure we hold governments to account to make sure this time we don't have a situation where things get better and overcrowding is not properly addressed. Educational outcomes, key, absolutely key. They're getting worse. They're, you know, they're not getting better. That has to be addressed and it has to be addressed properly along with early childhood development and the other employment. You know, these things all matter and they all have to be addressed properly, comprehensively through a tripartite agreement under the Closing the Gap process. Professor John Boffer, I want to talk about why people want to be drunk in the first place. What brings people to, to seek this when that this is the point you're making, isn't it? That that underlying that desire actually is a sense of crisis for people. Yeah. Look, I think we now know there are complex reasons, and not and there are many different reasons why people want to get drunk. But the literature tells us the most important reason is trauma in early childhood. So if you've experienced trauma in early childhood, the brain doesn't develop normally particularly the parts of the brain that are responsible for self-regulation, impulse control. And if you don't have those things developed in the normal way, when you start experimenting with potentially dangerous drugs of addiction like alcohol, instead of being able to control that drug, you have an inbuilt tendency to overconsume from the beginning and very quickly to become alcohol dependent. So intergenerational trauma is absolutely key to the causation of why some people struggle to regulate alcohol and other drug use compared to others. We know that. We also know that there, you know, for, for some people, it's a form of escape from stress, from from the, the reality of daily lives, which are a real struggle where people can't make ends meet. There's a range of reasons why people drink, but by far and away the most important is intergenerational trauma. And I even heard the Prime Minister yesterday, Anthony Albanese, using that exact term, 
And that that is also a source of hope. When you've got government leaders, and in this case the Prime Minister, getting the importance of intergenerational trauma, well, we've got a chance that we can sit down and have a conversation because we agree on the root cause of the problem. So then we can start to talk together about the solutions, which are, as I said earlier, addressing multiple social determinants comprehensively at the one time through an agreement with Aboriginal leaders through the Closing the Gap process here in the Northern Territory. Professor John Boffer, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Patricia. Professor John Boffer is a spokesperson for the People's Alcohol Action Coalition. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.